Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to College Football Pod Talk. This is your co-host, Easton. And Josh. Remember, you can reach us at collegefootballpodtalk at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Facebook at College Football Pod Talk. What's our Twitter handle? CFB Pod Talk. Let's let's just jump straight into reviews. So so your boys, they had they had a, a good game, right? Our number eight Cougs defeated Colorado in Boulder 31-7. The game didn't match the score as it was a close game until the fourth quarter. The Buffs scored the first touchdown going up 7-0 going into the second quarter. The Cougs were up at three at the half and ten in going into the fourth quarter. We dominated the time of possession, 42 minutes to 18 minutes, which that's, wasn't something our Cougs are used to doing. That's pretty incredible. No run game typically, and then you controlled the time of Time of possession, that's incredible. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. The Cougs' defense forced three turnovers against Colorado, which helped us set up scores. Our defense held it down on the third or on third down, with the Buffaloes going two for eleven on the third down conversions, uh, which was big for us. So it was pretty it was pretty good for our defense. You know what? My takeaway though in this game, and I know you're probably about to get get to it, it looks like you guys were having trouble throwing the deep ball in this game. Gardner just couldn't connect. I saw about three or four deep passes that he was just overthrowing a little bit. Yeah, we we had some guys open, most definitely. It was kind of windy, but I'm not going to let that be no excuse to accuracy. But we did miss some deep balls that could have put us up a lot further than we were in the game. We forced the Buffaloes off the field quite a bit, and their uh, star wide receiver, Shulnall Jr., actually came back from a toe injury and had 100 yards receiving, but just wasn't enough for the Buffalo offense. On the other side of the ball, our O-line gave Minshew a day and a half to throw the ball, which gave our receivers time to get open and make plays after the catch. And we've done really well yards after the catch. We've been getting short passes, but our yak is what keeps us in the game. Minshew went 35 for 58, 335 yards in the air, and two touchdowns passing, one rushing. This was looking like first game wasn't going to go for 300 yards for Minshew at first. So the defense held it down for the Buffaloes to start not giving up any deep balls. And like you said, we weren't very accurate on those deep balls when we had the chance. Max Borgie, Renald Bell, and Booby all found the end zone. Cougs are now 9-1, 6-1 in conference and looking for that playoff spot. This was a homecoming game for, for your boy Max Borgie as well. Yeah, um, he, he's from Colorado. so pretty he, Pretty incredible that he showed up. Yeah, it was cool. I, I expected uh, Leach to do something like that to give Borgie more playing time and give him more touches to, you know, kind of show out in front of his hometown. So. I really like Max Borgie. I like what he does uh, for your team in the running back position. Uh, you know, almost almost like a McCaffrey type role that Stanford used to have. Like you said, really sh- shows up and shows out. I, yeah, he actually had a scholarship to Stanford and almost went there, but decided to go to Washington State. But he's a hell of a player for us, and I'm excited to have him keep going. But we got Arizona next week in Pullman. Not an easy task for us, as they do have an elusive quarterback and can be a good threat versus us. So it should be an interesting game. Well, it's looking like the Pac-12 North is going to come down to Washington State and Washington. And that Apple Cup game in a couple weeks, that's going to be the matchup that, that I'm really looking forward to. It's going to be an intense game. Yeah, no matter what, I feel like every year, no matter what this, the records are for either UW or Washington State, it's always a good Apple Cup. So it's it's looking like two good teams are going to go at it, and it's going to determine the Pac-12 North. So hopefully my Cougs will pull it out and keep winning. Just incredible.
What other games we got in the Pac-12? Well, the only other decent game in the Pac-12 is Oregon versus Utah. The Utes pulled off a close win versus Oregon, 32-25. to Utah going to its backup quarterback, who's a uh, freshman, Jason Shelley, after Huntley broke his collarbone last week. And he didn't disappoint going 18 for 31 and 262 yards passing and rushed for two touchdowns. So it looked like he, he didn't miss a step. And Utah looked pretty decent in this game. Which... You know, I remember before we did last week's podcast, we debated on taking this game off of it because of the injury to the to the starting quarterback, Huntley. It's just incredible that Utah was able to get the victory with their backup quarterback and keep their Pac-12 South title hopes alive. Yeah, Utah actually lost their starting running back also, Zach Moss, but Armand Shine, the backup who replaced Zach Moss, helped Utah with 175 yards. 174 yards rushing on the ground. Utah obviously lacked depth with the backup stepping it up when they really needed to. On the other side, Oregon's quarterback Justin Herbert started slow in the first quarter, but it ended up going 20 for 33 for 288 yards. And their star wide receiver Dylan Mitchell caught eight passes for 169 yards for the Ducks, but it just wasn't enough for the win. And the Ducks now fall to six to six and four, three and four in conference play. And Utah moves to seven and three, five and three in conference. So it's, it's a mix up in the Pac-12, as you can tell. It's a rough year for everybody except for my Cougs. So uh, it's going to be kind of frustrating to get into the mix of the the playoffs when the Pac-12 is not looking very consistent. Yeah, the Pac-12 South is is the, where the real mix up lies. They don't have a front runner, uh, so to say. There's a bunch of teams jumbled up in conference standings. So it's going to be fun to watch that play out to yeah. see who the Pac-12 North will face. Yeah, a lot of injuries come into play with a lot of these teams <clears throat> this year. And a lot of guys are stepping up and need to step up. And, you know, it's really determining who's going to win the Pac-12 South. So it, it should be interesting moving forward. So let's go on to the Big 12. I know we had a couple great games in the Big 12. Yeah, we had uh, two really good games starting off with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma if you missed this game, I'm sorry, because uh, it was everything you anticipated. No defense. <laughs> <laughs> a combination of 1,300 total yards between the two teams. Incredible. Oklahoma once again squeezes out a win, a close win, beating Oklahoma State 47-48 to as they continue their push for the Pac-12, or excuse me, the Big 12 title and a spot for the college football playoffs. Oklahoma State took a chance and went for two with a minute remaining in the game, but wasn't able to convert on the play. It was a risky chance, but I like the call for Oklahoma State. Do you, do you think these types of wins for Oklahoma hurt their chances to get into the college football playoff? I personally think so, because they don't play defense, and I think the committee wants complete teams in the playoffs. And when you're not playing defense, it's it doesn't look good to show this team to be in a playoff position, don't you think? Like you get you get the win, which is what you want in the game, but you know, it's such a tight game and I know Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, you can't I mean, that's going to be a tough game no matter what ranking you are cuz it's state versus state. Well, know? think about it this way. If Oklahoma was to play Bama, how do you think that game would turn out? Where you got a team who's Bama has shut out the past two teams they've played, and then you got a Oklahoma team who doesn't play any defense whatsoever. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean it's it's just gonna be weird if if Oklahoma gets a chance to get back into the Final Four to see how 
the committee ranks them after a bunch of these close games and giving up close to 50 points a game. And Yeah. Well, like I said, defense was non-existent as Oklahoma State's defense gave up 353 yards on the ground and the Sooners giving up 501 yards in the air. As a defensive coordinator, do you feel demoralized? Like, how, how would you feel? I feel like that defensive coordinator should get fired. Oh, wait. <laughs> Oklahoma already did that. Yeah. <laughs> On both sides, though. It's just no defense. It's it's fun to watch, but as a defensive coach and a defensive player, it's, it's embarrassing. You don't want to give up that many yards, especially on the ground. But anyways... Moving forward, Heisman candidate Kyler Murray passed for 349 yards and ran for 66 yards. Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon, both their running backs, rushed for over 120 yards. So that ground game for Oklahoma was fierce. That's, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, and including their wide receiver sooner, Marquise Brown caught eight passes for 142 yards and a touchdown. Oklahoma State, Taylor Corndog Cornelius went off. He passed for a career-high 501 yards and three touchdowns for the Cowboys, with their wide receiver, Tylen Smith, also had a day. Ten receptions for 222 yards and two touchdowns. So everybody was getting touches in this game. You know, my favorite my favorite part of Corndog is he's a walk-on. This is really? a walk-on quarterback doing this, this type of damage. Corndog is doing it, you know. He's living up to the, the, the name. Go go Corndog. <laughs> what a nickname. Go Corndog. <laughs> Another good game in the Big 12 was Texas versus Texas Tech. Texas actually pulled this off in the last drive of the game. So number 15, Texas scored a 29-yard touchdown with 21 seconds left in the game to ex- escape Texas Tech 41-34. to Texas Tech actually blew a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter. It was it was not a good game for them in the end. Uh, we expected this game to be a close one. Longhorn quarterback Sam Ellinger went 22 for 34, 312 yards, four touchdowns. 159 of those yards and two touchdowns went to Lil' Jordan Humphrey, who looked like he's going to be playing on Sundays. But this was a good game overall. Alan Bowman, uh, on the other side, the quarterback for Texas Tech, was actually injured. So they went with their backup, Jet Duffy, who did really well. Went 444 yards in the air, four touchdowns, but just wasn't enough to win the game. Texas actually scored 17 consecutive points in five and a half minutes remaining in the game, which also included an onside kick that they recovered. Just incredible. What's great about Texas Tech... This is actually their third string quarterback. So the first game of the season, Ole Miss knocked out Texas Tech's starting quarterback. And then Duffy kind of came in and played a little bit in that first game. And then Alex Bowman came in and kind of took over and was going to be the starting quarterback until he got injured. And now Duffy's kind of running the show. I mean, for a team to be down to their third string quarterback and putting up points like that, you got a you got a hell of an offense. Yeah, Tex, Texas Tech knows what they're doing with their recruiting and quarterbacks because they seem to be doing well. And it's unfortunate for one of you know their two starting quarterbacks to drop like that, but they got some good depth, which most teams don't have at quarterback. And you can tell when most of these teams that lose their quarterback. Yep, yep. So let me know about the Big Ten. How's that looking? So Big Ten, we got Northwestern versus Iowa. Northwestern gets it done and clinches their first Big Ten division title. Um, they got to wait a little bit longer to see who they play, but they were able to beat Iowa fourteen to ten in a defensive battle. Yeah, Northwestern's looking good. They've uh, been stepping up their game lately, and 
now, like you said, they're going to be bowl eligible, and you know they've they they're looking like a good system right now. Well, you know, it's it's a big step for a program like this to go get the chance to play in the Big Ten championship. You know, we'll see what this program can do in the future. You know, against Iowa, Isaiah Bowser, the running back, he's kind of a workhorse on the day. 31 carries, 165 yards, and one TD. Quarterback Clayton Thorsten threw for another TD and gets and the, they scored 14 points to get the upset victory over Iowa. Northwestern, you know, they only have a six and four record on the year, but they have big victories over Wisconsin, Purdue, and now Iowa in the Big Ten, and have a six and one record in the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten is not a joke. It's every team in the Big Ten, for the most part, is a good team. So every week's going to look or seem to be a challenge in conference play. So it's, it's definitely going to be a challenge no matter what. Moving forward, we got Ohio State and Michigan State. This was not the most exciting game to watch in general. Number 10, Ohio State beat the Spartans in East Lansing 26-6. This started out as a defensive battle with the game being 0-0 at the end of the first quarter and 7-3 at halftime. Punting was huge in this game as the Buckeyes punter Drew Chrisman pinned the Spartans deep in their own territory in the second half, starting on their own 5-6-3-1 and 2-yard line in their first five drives. That that makes a difference. Oh yeah, that's that's you know, great punting game right there. You're driving 90 plus yards for your first five drives in the second half. That's that's pretty tough and you're asking for a lot from quarterbacks and actually Michigan State went with two quarterbacks this game just to find some momentum in offense and they definitely didn't have that at all as you can tell. That's how your punting team can win games for you. Yeah both these offensive teams struggled as Michigan State was only two for 16 on third down. It wasn't a very exciting game at all but um, Ohio State somehow ended up pulling it out but let me ask you, is Ohio State looking like a top four team to make the playoffs? You know, Ohio State, they got some question marks. And I'm not the only one saying this. You know, Eddie George, the famous running back for Ohio State, has said some things about in the media about this Ohio State team. They're just not putting it together. I think people are figuring out their screen game. That's that was really their strength, and they're not they're not attacking the deep ball. So Haskins is known to have a heck of an arm, but we're not really able to see it much. Are the receivers not able to get open? Is it just a matter of lack of confidence? Is it a mix of both? It's because the defense is holding their end, but offense is just not there. So Urban Meyer needs to figure this out and figure it out soon if they want to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, they. Sh- I would imagine they'll be able to win next week as they don't have. A, a crazy opponent, but then that last week of the season they have to play Michigan, and that's where they need to they need to put it all together. So he he has two weeks to figure it out, and they got to figure it out quick. Yeah, don't get me wrong, Michigan State isn't the toughest team, but they should Ohio State should have played a lot better than they did, and they need to play better. So what's the last game of the Big Ten? We got Wisconsin versus Penn State. Miles Sanders stepped up for Penn State. The running back was the difference in this game, looking like Saquon Barkley running for 159 yards to get the win versus Wisconsin, 22-10. Sanders took off some pressure for McSorley, who had a, has been dealing with a bum knee, but he was able to go 19 for 25, 160 yards and a touchdown. Uh, McSorley didn't look the same. He, he looked like he was struggling for the most part, but Miss Wisconsin thought they had something going with Jonathan Taylor on the ground but became very one-dimensional as starting quarterback Alex Harneybrook was out with a concussion 
or wasn't too confident in the passing game. So when you're one-dimensional, Penn State can figure that out, and that defensive line held it down for the most part. Yeah, and, you know, Jonathan Taylor looked like he was going to put together a game and get the victory, but, you know, he just couldn't do it all himself. Yeah, he had 100-plus yards on the ground, but you can only do so much when you're one-dimensional. And Hornybrook is a difference maker in big games, you know, with his feet running on the ground, and, you know, he has a heck of an arm. So just that lack of quarterback, like we discussed earlier, you know, makes the difference. And Jonathan Taylor did... As much as he could, but he can only do so much. He's one person. So, you know, Penn State ended up pulling out another big win for them. But like we said before, they need to they need to perform better moving forward because we expected them to be one of the top teams. Yeah. And they're they're falling apart. And they but. Just, Penn State didn't didn't have as great a season as we all thought they would at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I think they allowed a lot of people down. Moving over to the ACC, what we got over there, my man? So let's start with Clemson and Boston College where Clemson gets the victory 27-7. Boston College lost their starting quarterback early in the game and had trouble moving the ball after that. A.J. Dillon finished the day with 39 yards on 16 carries, but that Clemson defense showed up. Held Boston College to 104 passing yards and 9 total rushing yards. They just sacking people, hitting people behind the line, but uh, Boston College could not get a run game really going at all. Uh, the only points Boston College put on the board were off a of punt return, for a touchdown, Trevor Lawrence finished the game with 295 yards with one one passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown. He also threw an interception, which he has time to clear that up. He's a young young kid. Travis Etienne finished the game with 78 rushing yards. But the big news for Clemson, which is no surprise to any of us, is Clemson is now going to, going to be going to their fourth straight ACC championship. Yeah, I expected Boston College to give a bigger fight in this game. I, I liked Boston College defense. They were playing well the past few games. And A.J. Dillon's a stud at running back. He, but he's, like we said, there's only so much he can do on his own. But like you said, that Boston, or excuse me, the Clemson defense and that D-line, they're, they're dangerous. They're, that D-line has carried them for a long time, especially when they're going through quarterback trouble when Trevor Lawrence went down and they went back to their backup quarterback. But it's just a matter of, relying on that D-line, and they're, they're holding it down for them. And it's it, I think that's going to make the difference of them moving forward in this playoffs. You know, that D-line has multiple multiple players going to the NFL. Potentially, you know, a few guys going in the first round yeah. of the NFL draft, which is incredible. Yeah, um, very unheard of. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, they, just, they just play great defensive football, especially up front. Yeah, it's going to be good moving forward. So in, in the ACC, we also had marked down a Florida State-Notre Dame. This was not really really a great game. Uh, Florida State showed us what, what we already knew this year, that they can't really play with the big boys yet. I want Florida State to get a big win. They still have a little time, but, but Notre Dame just proved to be too much. Notre Dame started with their backup quarterback, Brandon Wimbush, he threw for 130 yards and three TDs. He also had two interceptions, but uh, running back Dexter Williams for Notre Dame kind of kind of was the story of the day, rushing for 202 yards on 20 carries and two TDs. Notre Dame as a team rushed for 365 yards, mm. which you know that's that's a big number there for rushing. Wimbush got the start today because Book was a little injured. Book is expected to play next week. Notre Dame, the final of the game was Notre Dame 42 to Florida State 13. 
Yeah, the running game makes a difference. And when you're running all over a team, running all over a defense, it's it, it, it takes the wind out of them. And when your defense is on there the whole time, it's going to make a difference. But Wimbush held it down. You know, he did throw two interceptions. But he held it down for the most part. He, Like we said, he did start at the beginning of the season. But uh, with Ian Book being injured, he, he took over and was he did his job. So moving forward, I think Notre Dame will be able to hold it down and be able to compete for those top four spots. So do you well, think they're going to make it? I don't know. They got, they got a tough game next week. After next week, we should know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this Florida State team, I really just want Willie Taggart to get a big victory, and I don't think they're going to do it. Yeah. They just, as much as I hope for them, I just, they don't, they don't show a lot of faith. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad for their fan base right now. Yeah. It's a completely different team, but they, I, they can only go up from here. So we did have an upset in the ACC. Wake Forest was able to beat NC's, NC State 27-23. to <laughs> NC State's quarterback, Ryan Finley, had 374 passing yards, but it was not enough. Wake Forest was able to get the upset victory. Wake Forest quarterback, Jamie Newman, had 297 yards, three TDs, and the biggest TD of the day for him was a 32-yard pass with 30, 30 seconds left in the game. The greatest part, greatest part about the story with Jamie, this is his first career start. Wow. He was down 10 in the fourth and was able to get the comeback victory. How nice is that? I mean, that's that's what you dream of as a little kid. Yeah, seriously. Your first start. And that's the thing. You get you got the jitters. You know, you got got the butterflies. But you you stood up. You, you took advantage of the situation. And you made the game-winning drive. It wasn't you just won the game. You made the game-winning drive and won won the game for your team. You know, down some points, and you you throw a 30-yard TD pass to win the game. It's incredible. Yeah. And Ryan Finley, you feel bad for the guy for throwing for almost 400 yards and a loss. <laughs> so, that's tough. That's well, tough. Tough game for Ryan Finley. But it's nice to see an upset. You know, I, I agree. I like the upsets. I, I root for upsets. All right, give me the SEC. What are we talking about down there? Oh, the SEC. So let's first start out with Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Ole Miss lost the game 38-24, to but Ole Miss had their chances. We missed a field goal with seven minutes left. That would have tied the game, tied the game up. We just couldn't really, couldn't really get things going after that missed field goal. Uh, Jordan Tamu had 373 passing yards and one TD. A.J. Brown had 127 receiving yards on six receptions. A.J. Brown just is now uh, the all-time leading receiver for Ole Miss, which is pretty incredible. Bad news for the Rebels is our starting running back, Scotty Phillips, went down with an injury. That's a big, big role for us. We're going to have to see how what type of injury that is to yeah. see if you can get back in the game. Yeah, that's going to be tough for you guys. You got a very versatile offense with a running game and held, held stud receivers. So for your running back to go down, you know, you're going to have some guys to have to step up. But your receiver core is dope. I think they're they're amazing to watch well, and you know, fun to watch. We, we never really had a rushing tech as good as Scotty Phillips. I mean, last year we had a 1,000-yard rusher. That was the first time in a long time we had a 1,000-yard rusher. But Scotty Phillips was 
was about to break 1,000 yards, probably would have broke it in this game with a few games left. It would have been nice to see a running back like that. And, and Scotty Phillips at the time was leading the SEC in touchdowns. So we need to get him back on the field ASAP. Hard worker. Texas A&M quarterback Kelly Mond had four total TDs, three passing, one rushing, with 236 passing yards. And uh, Texas A&M running back had a big day as well. Travion Williams with 228 rushing yards with one TD. You know, that dude's a stud. My, it's it's one of those things where defense couldn't do enough. They looked like they were producing better when I was watching the game. Uh, tackling a little bit, bit better. But Much better. We still gave up a lot of yards and uh, gave up a lot of points. But you're seeing progress. That's the thing. You guys aren't going backwards. So that's the thing you got to see. You got to take the small victories, Josh. The small victories. Oh, I'll, I take any victory <laughs> I can get. <laughs> Speaking of an easy victory, oh, yeah. how was that Alabama Mississippi State game? You know, before this game started, I texted my older brothers and I said, you know, Mississippi State has the defense to where this could be a good game. And uh, it was not a good game. At all. Bama just rolled again to a 24-0 to victory. This Bama defense is getting better and better. Uh, they held Nick, Nick Fitzgerald to 125 passing yards and the Mississippi State rush attack to 44 total yards. Cool. I mean, that defense is just, they can win games on their own. And that's the crazy thing because we talk so people talk so much about Tua and how much he does on the offensive side. That defense is getting neglected and not talked about as much, and they've shut out the past two teams they've played. You know, early in the season, I thought the defense wasn't as good. I saw some drives where teams were just driving the ball, scoring points, and this Alabama defense basically just wanted to slap me in the face <laughs> and tell me, no, we're still the best defense in the land. I, as bad as it sounds, I don't see anybody beating them this year. They, they look really good, really good. So Tua did finish the game with 164 yards, one TD. He also threw another interception. Uh, that's two on the year for him. Oh, there goes his Heisman. But he did have to leave the game early with, with a knee injury. He didn't play the full game. And then Hurts is not 100% yet either. So they had to go to their third-string quarterback. But Bama still was able to roll and get the victory. Yeah, I think they're kind of playing it safe. Tua, you know, he's had this reoccurring knee injury. And they want to save him for this playoff. Granted, they are going to make it. You know, we're not worried about that. But that, I think they're just playing it smart and want to keep him safe for these next uh, few games. Well, you know... The SEC championship is kind of set. We'll get into that in two seconds after I review this last game. But they do have a tough matchup in the SEC championship. Well, they do have a tough game next week versus Citadel. Don't don't forget about that. <laughs> that one might not be tough. <laughs> so the the third game of the uh, of the SEC is Auburn and Georgia and. Georgia was just clicking on all cylinders to get the 27-10 win over Auburn. DeAndre Swift had a huge day with 186 yards on the ground on 17 carries. And then Holyfield backed him up with a 93-yard rushing day, which, you know, if you're getting two backs close to 100 yards, you're you're probably going to get the win. That is ridiculous. <laughs> Fromm finished up with 193 passing yards with two TDs, one interception. And this, this Georgia team is just, they're just rolling. There's really only two more games that they have to play 
till we get to see the rematch of the national championship, which was Alabama and Georgia in the SEC championship. Do we even need Fromm to throw the ball at all? You know, it doesn't. It doesn't look like it. I mean, Fromm is there and he can throw the ball, but their running attack has has just been spot on. And it makes it a lot of e- a lot easier for Fromm, and it's, I think it takes a lot of pressure off. I think they made that adjustment because when Fromm had his tough games early on, it put a lot of pressure on him. But when you got a rushing attack like Swift and Holyfield rushing for damn near a hundred yards each game, each you you put a little more pressure on those two going back and forth and wearing out that defense and take all that pressure off from just to give them the easy passes and make life a lot easier for them. What's I mean, what do you do against Georgia? Because I feel like you have to load the box, and then Fromm just hits the easy pass over the top because your box is loaded. Yeah, all you need is a simple play action to either one of those running backs, and everybody's biting in that box. So it'll get some receivers open also. So Georgia's looking dangerous, and if they keep this rushing attack going and to keep the pressure off from, from what it looks like, Georgia could keep steamrolling some teams. So we did have an upset in the SEC. Tennessee was able to get the upset victory over number 11, Kentucky. Did not see this. 24-7. You know, we kind of been on the Kentucky bandwagon, but Kentucky almost let two, uh, a game beat them twice after they lost to Georgia. Yeah, I think Georgia got in their head. that They, they made Georgia look... Really, really good. So Kentucky's been struggling, and I think it hit them hard. And with this upset with Tennessee, it's definitely made a difference. Yeah, we have not talked about this Tennessee team much this year as they're going through a transition year under a new head coach, Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, But this was a really big win for this program, and now they're one game away from being bowl eligible. Tennessee scored two touchdowns within the last three minutes of the first half on this Kentucky defense to kind of run away with the game. And, and, you know, Kentucky just once again was having trouble putting points on the board. The SEC leading rusher, Benny Snell, was once again held in check with only 81 rushing yards. Yeah, um, Snell, Snell's the face of that team for the most part on Kentucky. So if you, if you hold down that face of the team, there's not much of a threat. So I think that really dictated most of the game. And if you keep their star running back in check... It's gonna it's gonna make a big difference, and Tennessee was really able to figure that out. But you know, when you got a coach like Jeremy Pruitt, he was from Alabama under Nick Saban. So when you're taught under one of the best coaches and the I say the best coach in college football, you're gonna figure it out soon, especially with a program like Tennessee where they look like they weren't doing too well. But you could tell he's changing that program around, and it's happening here pretty soon. You know, at, at, I made fun. My little brother and sister went to Tennessee. And oh, okay. At the very beginning of the year, I kind of made fun of them after losing their opening game. <laughs> and and now, you know, Tennessee is kind of doing what Tennessee should do or should hope for is just, just to get to a bowl in year one of uh, of coach Jeremy Pruitt. Can Tennessee beat Ole Miss right now? Oh, uh, we, we don't want to. <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner, there'll be food fights and all sorts of stuff. We we just leave that. We don't talk about that. You know, I don't want to get. I don't want to get calls from them and all sorts of hatred. Yeah, we're starting some drama. We don't need. <laughs> uh, keep it. We try to keep it clean. <laughs> so let's go non Big Five game. We marked a uh, Fresno State versus Boise State. Our boy Rippin. Just did it again, 269 yards with one TD. 
running back uh, for Boise State, Alexander Matheson, had 143 yards rushing with two TDs to lead Boise State to the upset victory 24-17 over Fresno State. Yeah, Boise State, they're a good team. I think Fresno State wanted the upset in the uh, blue turf, but it's hard to win on, on the blue turf. Which, speaking of that blue turf, I hate it. I, I love it. I hate the blue turf. <laughs> it's different. You know, it's it's something different. Everything's the same in most colleges. Eastern in the red turf, and then you got Boise State in their blue turf. That so. red turf is weird as yeah, well. Yeah, it throws me. you off, yeah. Um, Rippon was able to put his name in the the record books this weekend uh, for the Mountain West. He is now the holder of both passing yards and completions for the Mountain West Conference. Wow, good for him. Yeah, go Rippon. Uh, but Rippon did have to have a comeback victory as they trailed seventeen to ten late in the third quarter. But as as we can tell, Boise State was able to to put the points on the board and get the victory. Nice. Moving on to the players of the week. Who you got for your player of the week this week? So we got DeAndre Swift with 17 carries, 186 yards with one touchdown, and four receptions with 43 rushing yards. Wow, nice. My player of the week was Quadre Allison, the running back for Pitt, had 16 carries for 235 yards and three touchdowns, an average of 14.7 yards per carry. So good game for both of those guys. Moving forward to our games of the week for week 12, starting with the Pac-12, nothing too crazy on our side. We have Arizona coming to Pullman, playing my Washington State Cougars. Arizona, they're 5-5, five and five, but got a stellar quarterback. We tend to struggle versus a, a, a good quarterback with our coverage sack because, you know, we, we coverage the receivers well, but... Once that quarterback starts scrambling, we need to hold it down. So this could be a good game and could be a potential upset. Yeah, Arizona's played some great games this year, and they seem to be getting it going, say, more towards the end of the year. So we'll see what they can do against your boys. Yeah, hopefully not well. (laughs) (laughs) The second game I have for the Pac-12 is Oregon versus an Arizona State team. They're both 6-4 and teams. They're they're both in the mix. I, I think... Oregon is, are they going uphill or are they going downhill? I think these these games here will determine what their outlook's going to look like for this end bowl season and for the next season. So Go Herm! Yeah, Herm. Herm's I, having a great year this year. I, for I'm telling you, as much as I didn't like the hire, he's he's changed my opinion pretty quick. Yeah, he, he definitely changed the program a lot faster than I expected because, you know, we said earlier with his... His philosophy might be different to the culture of football today, but he seemed to figure it out, and he knows what he's doing. Uh, the third game we have for the Pac-12 is a Stanford versus Cal. Uh, once again, both these teams are 6-4. and four. Stanford kind of fell off the map, but still trying to do something in the South. And then we have a Cal team who's looking a lot better and with their coach doing big things and turning around this Cal program, making them a lot better. So what do we got for the Big 12? So I think the Big 12 has probably the best matchups this weekend. Uh, we got a West Virginia versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has been playing with the big boys, even though even though they are not a ranked team. They're keeping games close and beating beating teams. They beat a Texas team already this year. Who do you think is going to win that one? I would put my money on Will Greer. Yeah, yeah. that guy is he's turning out to be incredible. I can I can guarantee one thing for you. What's up? 
no defense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm curious what Corn Dog will what kind of numbers Corn Dog will put up. Yeah, I I guarantee there'll probably be almost a, a thousand total yards for both teams combined. So will they beat Will they beat the Oklahoma Oklahoma State yardage? Nah, possibly. West Virginia doesn't have the greatest defense either, but. So another game, and this game will probably be more defensive where we got Iowa State facing Texas. These are two ranked teams, so this should be a great matchup. Um, you know, I really like Iowa State just because they get some upsets every year. Maybe they'll get another one. Yeah, Tom Herman with his Texas team his first year, he's been doing really well. We almost called him out early on the hot seat, but he's doing really well with his first year at Texas, so... I think Texas would put up a good fight versus a, a dominating Iowa State team right now. What do you got going on in the Big Ten? Well, we got a Wisconsin versus Purdue. I think this will be a good game. Are we going to get a big game from Jonathan Taylor? Or is the Purdue defense going to hold it down? It should be a definitely a good game for these two. Well, we know we know Purdue has, has got a lot of big victories this year. If they get another one over a Wisconsin team, uh, that will be Hell of a season for Purdue. Yeah, they're looking a lot better than most people uh, expected, and they're they've been competing with a lot of teams. Uh, played good defense versus a, a a powerful Ohio State team at at the time, but it should be a good game either way. Second game I do have is an upset alert for myself. I definitely think could be a potential upset is Ohio State versus Maryland. Maryland played very well and got an upset versus Texas early on, so could this be a good win and an upset versus uh, uh, an Ohio State uh, struggling team? That that would be a huge win. That's a that's a big call. Um, you know, I I could see it happen though. Ohio State has has not been playing up to Ohio State standards of late. Yeah, Urban Meyer needs to get this this team getting get them going because if they don't get going, they're and they make the playoffs, they're going to be an embarrassment come game time. Moving on to the ACC, we got a Syracuse versus Notre Dame. This is a good game. We got an eight and two and nine and one. This is going to be a game that is going to be pretty exciting to watch. It, could this be the game that finally somebody somebody gets Notre Dame's number and just beats them? Yeah, Dino Babers, he's changed that Syracuse program around, and I think uh, Kelly and this Notre Dame team is, has struggled a lot this season, and they're due for an upset. So I think a Syracuse team with the motivation, and they've played well versus big teams, so I could see them upsetting this Notre Dame team and kicking these boys out of the playoff. That would be That's a must-watch game yeah, you for college watch football that fans. Uh, we also got Pitt versus Wake Forest. Um, you know, Wake Forest just had a pretty big upset, and and Pitt is playing, trying to continue to play so they can get into the ACC championship. So every game matters for Pitt and the uh, ACC right now. Yeah, both these teams are looking good and had some great games this this season. So it should be a very competitive game, but I could see Wake Forest getting a good upset and uh, beating Pitt. Then our final game in the ACC, we got a Clemson versus Duke. I put this on here because I think this can be a close game if Duke brings their A game. Clemson, they've looked spectacular, but they've also looked dull in some games. So if Duke can play and get some fast passes out versus that powerful Clemson defensive line, I think they can compete with these guys. So it, it should be interesting to see. You know, I like David Cutcliffe, and I'll be rooting for Duke. I, you know, I hope David Cutcliffe can get the victory. Yeah, it should be a good one. What's the SEC looking like next week? 
So there's not a, a whole lot of great games in the SEC next week. Uh, we'll start out with my Ole Miss Rebels, where they're taking on Vanderbilt. I'm hoping my boys can get the victory over Vanderbilt. It's probably going to be a tough matchup for us. And then we got Missouri and Tennessee. Tennessee needs this win. They need to become bowl eligible. They need one more victory to finish out the season to get get into the bowl eligible. I'm not. I'm not even gonna lie. I couldn't even see. I did not see Tennessee even being close to being bowl eligible this first year, especially with all the the off season drama they've had with hiring, firing, hiring, firing coaches and. Oh yeah. Leach was in the mix, unfortunately, but you know it's they they figured it out with Jeremy Pruitt and. Now they're looking bowl eligible, so good, good for Tennessee. Yeah, good for them in your hometown, home, home state. Go, go Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> so the non-Big Five game, uh, we got uh, Cincinnati versus UCF. Cincinnati is nine and one on the year. UCF is still undefeated at nine and zero. Is this the week that UCF finally gets their loss? Could you imagine going so playing so well and then losing versus Cincinnati, which is in the team who's also playing well at nine and one? But I think UCF's going to hold it down. They've they've looked strong. They've played tough games and pulled it out. So I think UCF's going to pull it off and try to get their name in the the contention of the top four teams. I don't see it happening anymore, just simply because how things have dictated these past few weeks. But UCF needs to play some defense. Yeah, some defense. But so does Oklahoma. So does Oklahoma. Yeah, <laughs> that Oklahoma UCF matchup. Yeah. <laughs> How's your Heisman's looking? Well, I still got my top three. I think we got Tua, we got Minshew, and then we have Kyler Murray. I think uh, people have been talking about Greer. I personally don't think he's back in the mix just because he's had some some not so great games. What 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 you thinking? You know, I'm, I'm I would take those three, but I see I see Will Greer going to New York. He'll be sitting with those those four or those three guys on the stage. It's going to be a quarterback award this year. I 99% sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the closest next closest guy is maybe Etienne from Clemson, the running back, but that's not a quarterback, but uh I, I can't think of anybody else that would probably be close yeah. to uh, being that, but Anyways, you know, I think this was a hell of a podcast today. Uh, <laughs> if you guys have any questions, concerns, don't forget about us. Email us at collegefootballpodtalk at gmail.com. We also got our Facebook page, College Football Talk, And don't forget to hit us up on Twitter at CFB Talk. Thank you for listening. We're out. Peace.